Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets If you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. podcast this is wacky wednesday i'm adam best here as always with producer michael and the stamina speaking sterling holmes i heard that you went for six hours yesterday and no that is not a euphemism for the bedroom (laughs) this guy is a a warlord of the airways and me personally i am fried like kentucky fried chicken after what 70 minutes that we do together on here how do you do it man inquiring minds want to know it hurts. Six hours of radio yesterday. Already had a an hour today. I don't know. A lot of tea. A lot of liquid. A lot of beer. Which brings me into KC Beer. That's how I do it. I just drink a lot of KC Beer. KC Beer Co. Sponsor of the show. And quite frankly, the best beer anyone will ever have. Uh, they brew their beer according to the Bavarian purity laws of 1516. Yes, they use four ingredients to brew that beer. It's honestly so amazing. I'm so glad we have a sponsor that we actually love to drink. Like, think it was a beer that we hated. You know how hard this would be? But it's because we truly enjoy the product. Casey Beer Co., make sure you guys go out and get some if you live in Kansas or Missouri and dare to beer different. Before we we get into awards, I've got something for you just popped up today it's going viral right now have you heard about this new movie cocaine bear it's a real thing i I shit you not what the fuck is wrong with that bear shoot it man (laughs) and i bring it up because cocaine bear might be the best way to describe uh the playing style of Chris Jones, I've heard yet. So in this movie, in this movie, what happens is some drug runners are flying over. I think it's Kentucky. I'm not sure. I don't know why we're talking about Kentucky so much today, but I digress. Hey, I was uh, there last week, baby. Oh, there you go. That's <laughs> that's why Kentucky's on the mind. Uh, so they do a routine drug rob, drop, and it goes bad. And this huge grizzly bear eats an entire brick of cocaine. And just goes berserk. And, you know, these things are, are, are already big and crazy athletic and super strong. But then you add this crazy, crazy amount of energy 
And that's kind of like Chris Jones. He's, he's big, he's cuddly, but not only will he rip your face off, he will dance for 18 hours afterwards <laughs> like he's at a rave or something. So had to share the, uh, the cocaine bear clip with you. Dude, I'm just picturing a big-ass grizzly just snorting a line of blow and then just gumming it, you know, just grabbing some and just gumming some, 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 some coke. I, that's what I'm picturing. And now, you know what? That bear seems fun. That bear right now, I want to hang out with that bear. It can really climb some trees. But <laughs> it, in, in the trailer, it just eats. It eats a brick of cocaine. And uh, it, it's a wild premise, but it's based on a true story, apparently. Yeah, Chris Jones getting after the quarterback. This that's upcoming right. Sunday against Joe Burrow. That's the cocaine bear. Bringing him down this time. Got to bring him down this time. <laughs> Want to move into some uh, some awards, Week 12 awards? Let's do it. Let's kick things off with the I'm Bored Award. I'm bored. I'm the chairman of the board. I'm a lengthy monologue. I'm living like a dog. I'm bored. Iggy Pop, baby. Love Iggy Pop. This one goes to the Chiefs offense and coaching staff for their dull performance against the Rams. To me, they resembled maybe like a pro poker player. You get up big, play it safe. You don't want to show your cards until you make it to the final table. I was there. I was there. So other than that one goofball gimmick play, it was pretty vanilla, wouldn't you say? Oh, yeah. And, And I don't know. Isaiah Pacheco getting 22 carries. That had me yawning. Wasn't a very electric performance really from anybody outside of a few huge plays. I feel like Reed and co simply wanted to maybe eke out a win uh, facing an inferior opponent and just get out of the building without anybody becoming injured. That was kind of the feeling I got. And normally that would be fine and dandy, except that was the first game my wife has ever attended, the first Chiefs game. And not good, man, not good. I've been talking up the Arrowhead mystique for for years and the game didn't even sell out. Mm. I I understand though. You don't get style points for winning by a larger margin of victory, right? You don't get an extra dub if you win by 40 points. That's not how the NFL works. The Chiefs, like you mentioned, wanted to get away with a victory, hopefully stay as healthy as possible and move on. They know what's going on here. The Rams know what's going on here too. Let's be real. They are right now the, they're currently constructed as the worst offensive team in the NFL. That's no exaggeration. Their defense is still legitimately good, and I think you can place some of the red zone issues, if you will, based on, one, the Rams' defense, especially in the red zones, very stout, and two, the Chiefs, like you mentioned, very vanilla. That one trick play, in my mind, wasn't them trying to say, oh, let's see if this really works. It was more or less, Chiefs are going to win. The players have probably been screaming, come on, Andy, how much fun would this be? Come on, Andy. I'm going to run this play. Andy Reid, player coach, obviously sitting here going, all right, fine, guys. This is the time to do it. You know, even if an interception is thrown, no one's truthfully scared that the Rams are going to come back and win that game. But I think we hit it. It's just a boring game. Vanilla. But guess what? The Chiefs are 9-2, and two, first place in the AFC, first place in the AFC West. That is what matters. Yeah, 
they even put Colin Sanders, uh, Saunders out there for, for a moment uh, on, the, on a goal line package. And then a timeout got called and he didn't come back out after the timeout. It was just any chance of something exciting happening other than a few moments, maybe like three or four. That was it. And the energy in the building, I guess, judging by our lofty standards was, was pretty pathetic, but that's, that's what happens when the outcome was never in doubt. It kind of felt like the crowd wanted to pop, but they just didn't feel like they were needed. It's like Kansas basketball playing, I don't know, Alcorn state. Like it's tough to get up for that. When you're play Duke, when you play legitimate other top five, top 10 teams, it's the same instance. You know, I, I go to Mizzou, so I don't really know, or I went to Mizzou, so I don't really know what that's like, you know, as a Mizzou fan. Uh, we, don't, we don't have a lot of those uh, big basketball games, although we will play Kansas soon, and Mizzou's going to probably go in 9-0, just throwing that out there. But the point is, I don't blame the fans. They've gone to so many big, impactful games. I feel bad for your wife. That does feel like a letdown. But also, as much as the game is for the fans, Andy understands what's at stake. Get out healthy. Get the victory. He's not a coach that wants to show up other teams. Uh, Jerome Bunkers put it in there. Andy doesn't want to show up the Rams. Keep players healthy. I think that that's perfectly uh, perfectly said, Jerome. That's what it was. And guess what? I'm frankly I'm okay with it. It was nice to have a game where you don't really care. <laughs> yeah, we'd never sweated the outcome. But when I when I booked my flight and chose this game to go with my family. I thought, man, Super Bowl defending champs versus the Chiefs. There's no way this game is going to be bad. No way in hell. Bryce and, Perkins, baby. <laughs> uh, and did you read that uh, Aaron Donald is hurt now? High ankle sprain? Oh, dude, so, they, are, they are beyond torch. That would be a fun game, then versus Denver. A battle to see who could score seven points. Yeah. In all seriousness, we have been spoiled rotten by greatness, right? A lot of other fan bases, think about it. They would, they would sell their soul to have a team so good it can coast, just coast to 16-point victories. So we're really lucky. And my wife had a good time. Maybe this is just easing her in. Like last a- AFC uh, divisional round with Buffalo and the Chiefs last year. That might have been too much, too overwhelming. <laughs> Sensory overload. But this, you know, we'll just we'll just baby step it. We'll we'll take her back to Arrowhead, and it's it's good to be nine and two and have a a relatively healthy team. Do you want a smart lock, a two K cam, and doorbell all in one? Now you can with Eufy, the Eufy Video Smart Lock E three thirty. Easy to install. All you need is just a Phillips screwdriver. So easy that even I, yes. I figured out how to install it. It's a keyless entry, so no more fumbling for the keys, which, by the way, I didn't even have a key to my front door. Uh, Yeah, I had to go through the garage, so I would be S-O-L if something were to happen, but not anymore with Eufy. It's keyless. You have no monthly fee, unlike other brands that charge monthly fees. Your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage, and the customer service is top-notch now. Let's be real. I didn't have to use it. 
I figured out how to use that Phillips screwdriver to install. Trust me, guys. I, I, I'm not lying to you. It is extremely easy. But if you have issues with your Eufy or installation, be rest assured Eufy's on standby for you 24-7 so you can enjoy a worry-free experience with an 18-month warranty. If you want to check it out, which I highly recommend you do, check out the Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y Video Lock. Or visit eufyofficial.com forward slash video lock to see how you can gain complete control of your door. Let's get into the next award, the Getting Cooked Award. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I ain't gonna lie, I'm getting cooked. <laughs> <laughs> No, we're not talking about Russell Wilson, although he's cooked as well. We're talking about Jalen Ramsey getting absolutely torched by Travis Kelsey. I will give Jalen Ramsey some credit. The rest of that game, he did a very good job on Kelsey, but that one play was a masterpiece from Travis Kelsey. Took his ankles, yards after catch, fights into the end zone. It was a massive play. I mean, truthfully, I don't know any other tight end in the NFL that gets into the end zone. And by the way, shakes Jalen Ramsey like that. Seven points on the board. Sorry, Jalen, you got cooked. I'm going to take this a step further. I don't know any tight end in NFL history. And this is not hyperbole. That could burn Derwin James, the most talented safety in the league, and then... Jalen Ramsey, the most talented cornerback in the league in consecutive weeks. That's just unheard of. He is just so filthy with his routes, with his feel for the game. Uh, and Jalen Ramsey just looked lost. He got put in, in spin cycle, uh, kind of an embarrassing moment for him. But then again, getting burnt by the goat, you know, you just got to tip your hat to Travis Kelsey and, the question is, who's next on Kelsey's uh, burn defensive back bingo card? I, I, I'm thinking, is it is it Eli Apple? Is it Trey Flowers? You know, we we owe these guys. What, what I do think is fairly interesting. You put Jalen Ramsey on Kelsey in that situation because you're thinking, yes, Kelsey's bigger, so if it's a jump ball, Kelsey's probably going to win. But you're not going to get torched by a cornerback. Like a tight end's not going to torch on a route a cornerback. Jalen Ramsey is much faster, much quicker. That's the thought process going behind putting Ramsey on Kelsey. <laughs> Didn't work out like that. <laughs> no, it did not. We have seen this before, too. We saw it in the playoffs versus Denzel Ward, another just monster cornerback. It's not just – it's not speed or quickness. How do I want to say this? Kelsey is a mess. Yeah, he is it's a – you play basketball, right, Adam? You played basketball yeah. before, right? Yeah, I did. It doesn't matter how fast you are. It's about how shifty can you be. That's how Luka Doncic, for example, gets to the rack, and it seems like no one can stop him even though he's moving in molasses. It's all about how can you separate, get space, and it's all about shifting your shoulders. Travis Kelsey does that better than anyone. He's not the fastest tight end in the NFL. He's not the most athletic tight end in the NFL. But he gets open by good route running and the shiftiness. That's how he does it. It's incredible to watch. He's a body master control. at his craft. Body control. That's what makes Travis Kelsey so impressive and how he's able to do it at this age. I think ang angry, drunken German says Kelsey does have that smooth agility. I agree. It's smooth agility, the ability to change speeds very quickly because it almost looks like he lulls you in 
and then he goes. That change of speed ability is it's incredible. That's how he gets open. And the greats can do this. When I go back and watch Kelsey, I see him making his move and thinking ahead before the ball is in his hands. And a lot of receivers do that, but have problems with drops. AJ Brown, for example, but Kelsey does not have that issue. And it just seems like he's one step ahead of any defender who's trying to track him. No matter if it's the best safety, the best cornerback, he's 33. No, no signs of showing down. I hope he can keep this going. What do you think? Two, three, four, eight more years. Decade. Easy. <laughs> let's be, let's be greedy. Uh, let's get into the next award, the Island of Misfit Toys Award. Because everyone else in baseball undervalues him. Like an island of misfit toys. And the winner is Brett Veach, the Reclamation Project King. So, yep, he's at it again. Find someone who loves you like Veach loves collecting brooding burnouts and problematic prodigies. So, as you guys probably heard, the newest additions are... Uh, former AFC West foes, right? Chargers and Broncos running back Melvin Gordon and then ex-Raider Brian Edwards. Let's talk about Melvin Gordon first. What are your yeah. thoughts on Gordon? I, I, I'm intrigued by it. When it first happened, I was like, what the hell? Th- this dude has gone to every single local grocery store, taken all the butter and rubbed it on his hands when he gets inside the red zone. I don't understand it. The but, margarine too, man. But, but olive truth, oil, all of it. But truthfully, the more I think about it, the more it makes some sense. This leads me to believe Clyde Edwards-Alaire's injury is worse than were thought. Um, Jared McKinnon, who's had injuries in the past, he missed today's practice with a hamstring, right? So what does Isaiah Pacheco and Ronald Jones do well? Well, they run the football well, but they're not known for their pass catching or their pass blocking. Well, what does Melvin Gordon still do well at his age? Good pass protector, good receiving back. This, to me, is insurance for Jarek McKinnon. This is a receiving back insurance who is a veteran, um, a guy who obviously if he goes up against the Raiders, the Broncos, um, or the Chargers, I should say, he's got a little something extra to prove. Uh, but also, it's a guy who you don't have to worry about, besides the fumbles, as far as learning the playbook, what he can do, can he protect Patrick Mahomes? This, to me, is just an insurance policy. It's just an insurance policy. You want to always have four running backs, three active, a fourth just in case. Running back is a position where you take the most hits, right? Uh, if you want to say offensive yeah. line, I'll listen. But as far as continuous hits, bigger hits, I would say it's running back. Injuries happen. It's an insurance policy. I'm fine with it. Speaking of ball security, I kind of feel like – Maybe we are just obliging him in his goal to fumble for every AFC West team. (laughs) So if he fumbles for us, all he has left is the Raiders and the Raiders will probably gladly take him, especially if he's willing to work for them for a discount. But I'm not excited about this personally. It has vibes of Shady McCoy, Le'Veon Bell. It's that kind of thing. We've been down this road before. We've read this chapter in the book. I don't really think it's going to work out. I understand that he is a more complete back than either Jarek McKinnon or Isaiah Pacheco. He can do everything. I'm not saying he does everything well at this point. I'll take McKinnon over him as far as 
everything, but I don't think, again, I think McKinnon, the main concerns, injuries and lack of, um, lack of volume. I should say, I don't know if they trust giving McKinnon 20 plus 15 plus touches in a game. Well, we know Melvin Gordon has the frame to hold up yeah. to that where Jarek McKinnon does not, unfortunately. And I really, I never want any running back like we mentioned earlier to get 20 carries in this offense, because in a closer contest, we're going to need Mahomes to air it out. Do you think he gets uh, on the field? I think we'll see him at some point. I do. Uh, whether it's just week 18, right? The final game of the season, 17th game, week 18, which is weird to say still, right? It still kind of gives you cause to pause saying week 18. But I do think we'll probably see Melvin Gordon at some point, whether it is to let Jarek McKinnon rest, whether it is just to see what he has, whether they, they feel like it's a better matchup or better backup than Ronald Jones, right? Because I think it's going to be either Ronald Jones or Melvin Gordon at times. They do different things. They're, they excel at different things. I think Melvin Gordon, you mentioned it, is a more complete guy. He kind of feels like Clyde Edwards-Alaire was supposed to be, a guy who can do it all. But I'm not too, I'm not too worried about Melvin Gordon fumbling in a, in a clutch situation. I don't think he's going to be put in a clutch situation. I hope not. My old man pondered whether or not we brought him in for intel on the broncos and my response to that was they score 14 points a game dude like the only thing i want to hear from melvin gordon about the broncos is maybe some inside jokes because <laughs> he's coming just to tell russell wilson jokes yeah. that's all melvin gordon's doing guys i love it never he, believe he's the most popular russell wilson said <laughs> most popular guy in the in the locker room right just just dunking all over all over russ the uh Chief players are loving it. Uh, next guy, Brian Edwards. I am intrigued by him. He was a third-round draft pick out of South Carolina. Uh, he's 6'3", so he fits into what Brett Beach has done, trying to bring in bigger-bodied wide receivers. Uh, he had a good second year in the NFL, if I'm not mistaken, close to 600 yards. It was about 570 is what it, what it was. Raiders decided let's trade him to Atlanta. Atlanta was obviously a wide receiver-hungry team. They found no room for, for Brian Edwards, which maybe that tells you something. Maybe he just isn't that guy. But Brett Veach likes taking chances on dudes with high upside. Brian Edwards, to me, is a future kind of guy where it's not more so for this year, but maybe can he sneak into the roster next year? We know McCall Hardman's probably going to be getting a larger contract. MVS might not be here. Maybe Juju Smith-Schuster, uh, you know, gets, it gets too much money. So this could just be a case of we want someone in the building just to see what he could bring for potentially next year. Uh, not only that, maybe this means McCole Hardman might take more than those four weeks to come back. Kadarius Tony and his hamstring, how serious is that? Um, you know, maybe they don't trust Cornell Powell, but either way. Why Brian, would you? Yeah, but Brian Edwards doesn't necessarily move the needle, but I understand this move. It's a long shot. It's like a Justin Ross type signing. Yeah, for every Kadarius Tony, there's a trail of bust. Corey Coleman, Josh Gordon, even going back to Kelvin Benjamin. This is a little bit more intriguing than not, not Tony, obviously, but those others, because this is a guy who theoretically is still young, still has some juice. And he was a fantasy football darling, especially in the dynasty community, because he has a, the, the third rounder has a terrific profile, was a really good player at a, at a young age in uh at south carolina he was a uh, hundredth percentile breakout uh, age so he popped 
he wasn't even 18 years old yet when he popped. And that is very predictive, usually, of wide receiver success in the NFL. He had a 95th percentile dominator rating, 88th percentile target share, and then his, his speed score was like 80th percentile. All those metrics are from uh, playerprofiler.com. But when you look at his profile, you think, yeah, I, I know it's a punchline now, but I understand why the Raiders were comparing him physically theoretically to Terrell Owens, but outside of, of like one big overtime game against the Raiders, uh, I, I think I, I've heard people joke calling him OTTO. Um, he really hasn't done anything in the pros. And I don't know why he got released from Atlanta. They're playing guys like Olamid Zacchaeus and he can't crack that rotation. That's a little troubling. But the fact that he didn't get claimed by anybody else and he came to the Chiefs, that tells me maybe this is behavioral. Maybe this is a work ethic situation. And the Chiefs just have the culture and locker room to gamble on the guy and hope that they can turn him around. Do you think that's some of the issue? Sure. I mean, let's be real here, too. Winning helps. Winning solves almost all issues. If you're a player who's not getting targets in your team's four and nine, you're sitting here going, well, I could help our team more than the four and nine guys. You know what they're doing? Give me a shot. So I understand that. I mean, it's the NFL. These are grown men, very competitive. I understand that aspect. I'm not saying this is what he did, but I'm saying I can understand the, the line of thinking. You come to a winning organization, the Chiefs are nine and two. You don't get a lot of targets. You, get, you know what you sit and say? Yeah, they're nine and two. There might be a reason. They know what they're doing. It's easier to swallow that pill of I'm not getting playing time when the team's winning than it is when the team's four and nine. The other thing about the Falcons is he's not getting targets because there aren't any targets. Drake London and Kyle Pitts couldn't even get targets in that offense. They are really just trying to run the ball, keep their defense off the field. That's what Arthur Smith wants to do. And he probably just didn't fit into their plans this year. It's also Marcus Mariota. Let's get into the next award, the I Didn't Know You Were So Versatile Award. That was surprising. I didn't know you were so versatile. I surprise myself sometimes. A little Groundhog Day. This goes to LeJarius Sneed, the most versatile discovery since, let's say, duct tape maybe. Sneed Sneed had a monster day. He had a 92.5 PFF grade against the Rams. That was first among every single defender in the entire NFL. He only allowed nine yards. I know he was playing against second and third stringers, but regardless, that is impressive. He had a 37.5 passer rating when targeted and the gl- the game-clinching interception. Basically, I, I believe it came right after that inexplicable Mahomes red zone touchdown, right? And maybe that gave the ram just an ounce of momentum and then sneed just bam shuts the door in their face sneed to me is what tyron matthew was the first two years in kansas city a guy who can do it all a guy who puts his nose in there a guy who whatever role you want him to do he will and he can do it he gets sacks He's the best blitzing corner in the NFL, not even a question. 
He bats balls at the line of scrimmage. He's good in coverage. He's a willing tackler. Put him on the outside. Put him on the inside. You can play him anywhere. Legereus Sneed is the perfect guy for this current Chiefs defense. The reason being, they have these young corners on the outside, and they've done a fine job holding up. If they continue to hold, this allows Legereus Sneed to use that blitzing ability from corner and be that almost, almost rover, if you will. I love Legereus Sneed. In my opinion, he's an all-pro. If he's, he's not, we riot. I sort of got Yes. I mean, he's the best corner on this team. He's the second most impactful defensive player on this team behind Chris Jones. That's coming from me, who freaking loves Nick Bolton. But the versatility of Legereus Sneed, it means so much. I don't know what the secondary would truthfully be without him in it. Yeah, and like you mentioned about blitzing, he really is the best blitzing defensive back in the entire NFL. That's just not about his attributes or his willingness. He has a knack for timing. He has impeccable timing. You saw on that third and two blitz, where he batted down the ball, he timed it perfectly. He just didn't recklessly dart in there. He waited for the back to kind of run out in the flat instead of just screaming in there and getting chipped. So he, he's a thinker out there, and he can make these decisions in a split second. Uh, you saw him stuff Kyron Williams for a TFL. He's just... Really, really sure tackler. Ragdolling uh, Ben Skoranek. I think that's how you say his name. Like a, a homeless man's Cooper Cup they had running around out there. Uh, basically for no gain. He gets his hands on somebody. I don't care who they are. They are probably going down. Honestly, the secondary has been a revelation. This is why I think we'll talk about it more. I'm sure Patrick Allen, as well as Matt Verderam tomorrow, they'll talk a lot more in depth at the Bengals. But this is going to be a much different team, this Kansas City Chiefs defense, especially the secondary than what it was the week before or the, the season before. If they think those big plays are going to continue, you know, from carry over, they're going to be in for a world of hurt. The Chiefs defense, while they're not forcing as many turnovers, again, to me, it's a schematic difference. Why? There's a reason behind it. They're not getting burnt. They're not letting teams give up the big play. And that's what's so impactful. Legereus Sneed, Joshua Williams, uh, Trent McDuffie, uh, Justin Reed, who called out T. Higgins, which I'm very intrigued to see how that plays out and shakes out. Juan Thornhill back at practice today. Uh, I mean, this second secondary is so much different. The defensive line getting pressure now. I understand the Bengals' offensive line's retooled. It's still not good. Chris Jones, have some fun. The, the primary difference between the defense this year and the defense last year is just team speed. You saw it in both those games. The Chiefs' defense looked like the slowest defense in the league. Exit Sorensen, exit Honey Badger, both those guys – were involved in a ton of big plays. One really embarrassing one uh, against the Bengals. I think it was in the first game where Bolton was in there too, but really everybody just let 
Jamar Chase run away from them when he had no business at that angle running away from them. That will not happen with the speed on the field this year. There's just no way. Everybody back there is running like a 4-4 or a 4-5 and still in their prime, still young. So uh, I like our chances. Unfortunately, Jamar Chase is back, it sounds like. Well, he waited. He even said, you know, I held myself out. So he is cleared. He held himself out. Joe Mixon coming back. Both teams know that. Let's be real. The Kansas City Chiefs, there's a reason, in my opinion, partly why they didn't go all in in the red zone. They didn't crush the Rams. They held themselves back as well. Both teams have this game circled. I just love Justin Reed calling out T. Higgins. You got to back it up now. We saw what happened to Jeffrey Simmons for Tennessee, right? We saw what happens. You got, he had a good game. Titans still lost. Sometimes it works, though. Frank Clark famously called out Derrick Henry in the AFC Championship the year the Chiefs went to the Super Bowl and won. And that really worked out. I think that inspired his teammates. Maybe Justin Reed is deploying a similar tactic, trying to inspire his fellow defensive backs to, to step up and, and defend these guys and not get mossed, right? Dude, he wasn't even here last year. Of all the guys who you think would be talking a little bit, we've heard a little from Mahomes, not necessarily smack, but talking about how he was looking forward to this game. It means a little something more, right? So we heard a little bit about that. But of all the guys on defense, Justin Reed, the guy who wasn't here, that's how much I think this means to both teams, but it's not just another regular season game. Sure, if the Chiefs lose, if the Bengals lose, seasons aren't over. There's going to be overreactions on both sides. I understand. But I do think it means a little something extra. Give Cincinnati credit. They made it to the Super Bowl last year. Give them credit. They beat the Kansas City Chiefs twice. I just don't think that happens this Sunday. We got a Bengals fan in here. We own the West. Talking some smack. I love it. Chiefs going to lose. We will see about that. I think they've been thinking about this game for almost a calendar year. Uh, yeah, I, I, I have a lot of faith that uh, the Chiefs are going to take care of business this Sunday. Let's move on to Hot Take Kingdom. You ready to do this, Sterling? Oh, let's do it. So Hot Take Kingdom again. Adam Best comes up with a hot take. I either agree or I disagree. There will be a poll at the end. Feel free to vote. Please take my side if I don't take his because that makes me feel good about myself. I need that. Come on. I need some confidence. Without confidence, all I have is my good looks. I'm kidding, guys. I'm not that big of an asshole. Uh, Adam, what do you have for us this week? This week's Hot Take Kingdom is Nathaniel Hackett is the worst performing new head coach of the past 20 years. Welcome to the kingdom. The most recent proof of this is Denver losing to Sam Darnold and the lowly Panthers by 13 points. Seriously, how is that even possible? They just continue to sink to new lows. Very enjoyable for us Chiefs fans. The Broncos are the third lowest scoring offense of the past decade. So the 2016 Rams scored 14 points per game. I'm wondering who the coach was then. Maybe Jeff Fisher. Who knows? The 2018 Cardinals scored 14.1 points per game. And then this year's Broncos team scores 14.3 points per game. 
He never called plays in Green Bay. We've been over this before, but it is really starting to show as the season progresses. Matt LaFleur, Matt LaFleur called plays with Aaron Rodgers obviously having a ton of input as well. So it, to me, at least, it's becoming more obvious by the day that plan A was to hire Hackett as bait to lure Aaron Rodgers to, to come to, to Denver instead of sticking around in Green Bay. And I'm not sure they really thought much further than plan A because this just looks uh, very, it's a clusterfuck. There's no other way to put it. It doesn't look like this was a match. Hackett and, and Russell Wilson. He's, he's a spectacular failure who I think, and this is very uncommon, will almost certainly be fired after one season. He's going to be one and done. And here's a list of the 13 one and done coaches from the past 20 years. Let's go through this. Art Shell, Raiders, 2006. Cam Cameron, Dolphins, 2007. Bobby Petrino, Falcons, 2007. Some of these names are a blast from the past. Jim Mora Jr., Seahawks, 2009. Hugh Jackson, Raiders, 2011. Mike Malarkey, Jaguars, 2012. Rob Oh, what a name. Browns, 2013. Jim Tomsala, 49ers, 2015. Chip Kelly, 49ers, 2016. Wow, what a, what a run for the Niners there. Steve Wilkes, Cardinals, 2018. Freddie Kitchens, Browns 2019, Urban Meyer, that was a that was a fun one. Jaguars 2021, and then the final one is David Coley, Texans 2021. I didn't think he should be fired, but oh well, he 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 actually did a pretty good job last year. But doing better than Levy Smith. <laughs> yeah, what what do those coaches have in common? Do you think they either weren't ready, they were past their prime, they tried to take over based on name recognition? or they just weren't good. Well, all those things are probably true, but none of those ex-coaches were hired to run a Super Bowl contender. Ooh. I don't know about I, Super Bowl contender. I looked at the I looked no, at the records and went back and No, I I I, I did this today. Freddie Kitchens, say what you will about that team. The Super Bowl odds of that Browns team, I believe was like plus 1800, plus 1700. The Broncos were right around there as well. Freddie right. Kitchens was tasked at say what you will about the team, say what okay. you will about Brown's height. That Brown's team was expected to make the playoffs. They were. I agree. You, you may have poked one hole out of 13, but what I would say in retrospect about that Freddie Kitchens team is that we now know Baker Mayfield has never been a good quarterback. He just got it just got hot his rookie season before people had had tape on him and crashed back down to earth. The Broncos this year had better preseason Super Bowl odds than listen to these teams. The Bengals, Cowboys, Dolphins, Eagles, Ravens, and Vikings. They had better Super Bowl odds than all those teams. One of those teams could can win the Super Bowl. I mean, I know the Chiefs had the best odds and we think they're gonna win the Super Bowl, but would you be surprised if the Eagles won the Super Bowl? No, or no. even the Cowboys won the Super Bowl. No. no I, would, I wouldn't be surprised. So they were in that kind of elite company. They were up there uh, closer to the, the Bills and the Chiefs and the Packers. That hasn't gone very well. But I think because of that, because of 
all the talent they have, getting Russell Wilson, who, despite his struggles this year, he is a Super Bowl winning quarterback. And he was he, he was one play he was one play away from being a two time Super Bowl winning quarterback. Dude, it's true. It's true. Can I just stop you right here? I got to be honest with you. There's zero, and I mean zero chance. I'm hopping in with you in this in this situation. Well, before I go to the the one that's just going to you know break the camel's back, Russell Wilson is horrendous. Russell Wilson last week was the 33rd best quarterback in the NFL. There are 32 teams. Russell Wilson, I did a whole thing. I don't want to do it again. I did guess the player A, B, and C. What he's been this year has been the equivalent of Zach Wilson. Zach Wilson, by the way, has a 12 better QBR than Russell Wilson does this year. Yes, the same Zach Wilson who's 23 who's getting benched. Yes, that Zach Wilson. Not only that, Drew Locke in 2020 was way more productive than Russell Wilson is this season. That's not a hyperbole. Sure, Drew Locke had more interceptions. He also had way more touchdowns. Different coaches, too. Sure, but a defensive-minded head coach. And by the way, Drew Locke had dealt with injuries. Do you think he had a healthy Jerry, Judy, Cortland Sutton? So, so is, I mean, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson's hurt. ass. He's, he's 34. He's been if hurt. If you are expected to be a, you know, a playoff caliber, caliber Super Bowl-winning caliber quarterback, you raise the guys next to you up. Russell Wilson has not done that. Wes Mahomes done when he lost Tyreek Hill. He's made He's Justin the guys Watson around him, but we, look we've... legitimately good. Russell Wilson is beyond cooked. He is the biggest difference why that team is ass, not Nathaniel Hackett. I don't think Nathaniel Hackett's good. Don't get me wrong. I'm not sitting here saying, yeah, Hackett's a good head coach. But now I'm understanding why he thought that 64-yard field goal week one made sense. Russell Wilson, fucking two scoops it. Two it scoops of ass. He's horrible. Russell he is, Wilson. Is he has beyond, been horrible. He has Mr. Been horrible. Limited. Okay. Mr. Limited. Let's ride. Let's hide. I know, I know. less, less touchdowns than, than he has bathrooms in his house. I've heard it all, but I I'm also old enough to remember when we counted Aaron Rodgers out, when we counted Tom Brady out, when we called T- Tom Brady washed. Did, did, did Nathaniel Hackett fumble multiple times in the red zone? He didn't, he didn't, but I personally would not be surprised if they made some coaching changes, made some personnel changes, and just changed the way they, d- they did things. Russell got his mind straight, uh, got better acclimated, got healthy, and came back next year and kind of had a little bit of a resurgence. I, would you be really surprised? I, I think that his best days are behind him, but what is going on right now, I think, is more than just one player. No, it, it's coaching. I- it's culture. Well, sure. It's a multitude of issues, but Russell Wilson is the guy behind it. The team dislikes him. Mike Purcell yelled at him on the sidelines, and Russell Wilson's bopping his head like he's listening to In Sync. Dude doesn't care. And by the way, if you're not going to move, if you're not going to run, whether it's because you're too old, you physically can't, or you just don't want to get hit at your age, doesn't matter. You're no longer a good quarterback. He 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 was a great guy in the pocket because he could move. Because he could extend plays. If he's not doing that, sorry. That was part of his special sauce. I he's agree. a bottom five quarterback right now. But he's part a of, bottom five quarterback. But part of what's happening with him and all the players is because there is a leadership vacuum. And that falls Correct. at the feet of Nathaniel Hackett, who I think has been as bad as any any uh, coach in the league. They he's tra- Cliff Kingsbury. 
Yeah. Nathaniel Hackett and Cleve Kingsbury can shake hands, do the same thing. They let the quarterback do whatever they want and don't take any sort of accountability for that team. By the way, Urban Meyer. At least Cliff Kingsbury called plays. At least Cliff Kingsbury called plays. Sure, but my my whole point is. That's my art. It's a bad one. Urban Meyer. It's not not a bad one. Urban Meyer, Urban the Meyer has Josh, done some things. Urban, Urban Meyer, Meyer got yeah dancing on a college chick in a bar. Winning, Congratulations, uh, not flying back with your he's with a your national team. champion. He's a national in champion. college. He's, he has accomplished what? more in his coaching career than Nathaniel Hackett, who is basically a nepotism hire who rode Aaron Rodgers and Matt Lafleur's coattails to this job. Dog, the only dog. There's no chance you're telling me Urban Meyer was more of a successful hire and not less of a disaster than Nathaniel Hackett. There's zero chance you could look me in the eyes with a straight face and tell me that. Jacksonville has been (laughs) a laughing stock of a franchise. Okay, and yeah, and part of it was because he came into a situation with a rookie quarterback and a mess. One, by the way, a mess of a roster, a mess of a roster. One, one, by the way, what Hackett, what Hackett inherited was a much better roster than than what urban meyer uh, inherited last year i don't think that's even questionable that's why everybody thought this team was going to win 10 or 11 games and be a super bowl dark horse potentially even knock off the Chargers and chiefs and win the afc west a lot of people did predict this predict this team to to win the division and that's because they were stacked but Everyone is blaming Russell Wilson, and he has been fucking yes. awful. I agree. He's been but, Zach Wilson. I've already told but, you this. I, I've, Nathaniel I've done this Hackett task. has been one of the worst coaches I've ever seen. And what I keep going back to is what was the reasoning? What was the rationale behind this hire? Because the only thing that makes any bit of sense to me, just even a tiny, tiny modicum of sense, is that they wanted – they wanted Aaron Rodgers, not Russell Wilson. He's not been worse, in my opinion, than Freddie Kitchens with that Browns team. That was an unmitigated disaster as well. He's sure. not been worse than Urban Meyer. That's not even debatable. Urban Meyer's been the worst head coaching hire of the past, I don't know, ever. Urban Meyer legitimately ruined. He did, he did have a proven track record. This guy had In no, college. He, this guy did not have a proven track record. Look what the all. Jaguars are doing now under Doug Peterson, a legitimate head coach. I'm not saying they're, they good. also have more talent. They, they signed Christian Kirk and they had, the, they drafted Trevon Walker and there's no chance a ton of you're money. going to sit here and tell me you, you think urban Meyer was not the biggest disaster of a head coach hire. That guy went out and got Tim Tebow with kicked a dude, allegedly kicked a kicker allegedly. Yeah. Okay. Let me know when Nathaniel Hackett does that. Uh, not only that, you could almost make the case that Josh McDaniels, he's not a first-year head coach because he coached before, right? He's They're not a Super Bowl contender. This whole thing hinges on people thought this team could win the Super Bowl, and they hired this guy, and they've won three games. Nobody thought that Urban Meyer could even take Jacksonville to the playoffs. I thought that Brown's team in 2019, it was multiple years, but everyone was so hyped up on the Browns, I thought that was laughable. I never bought into that. I think there was more hype around the Broncos than any, any of these teams uh, on the list of the years that coaches got one and done. So that's my argument. Obviously you are standing outside the kingdom. We're, we're, 
this has gotten a little testy. We're launching, we're launching catapulting boulders at you right now. Oh no, I, I am put a poll up. Put the poll up. I, I am I'm very convinced most people are gonna say no because of Urban Meyer. And I think Freddie Kitchens was even a worse hire, in my opinion, than Nathaniel Hackett. Well, it's as we always say, it's hot take kingdom, not mild take kingdom. And the fact that he is even in this discussion is pretty damning of the the front office of the Broncos. Correct. Where do they go, agree there? <laughs> where do they go from here? You know, where do they go from here? Well, they sold the po- team, right? <laughs> they sold yeah, the team one yeah. to the wall. Who, who so. could possibly? Who are they going to hire that's going to want Payton. to come in? Sean Payton is not going to want anything to do no. with Russell Wilson. He, if I was a bet man, Sean Payton's going to L.A. I Brandon think Sean Stanley. Payton might go to Arizona. Some some place with a young quarterback heading Justin into Herbert. his prime, right? Herbert Murray, not not a broken Russell Wilson with a million years left on his contract. <laughs> yeah, I'm not getting in there. Uh, let's get in. No to, barbecue for you, man. Uh, you know, fine for that one. I don't even. Want, I'll get my own. I'll get my own. Uh, you came up with a new segment for this week. It's called "Would You Rather Sky More Punt Returns." edition so this is how we all feel every time we see number 24 back there returning punts that is the worst idea i've ever heard in my life tom yes yes it's horrible this idea at the game on sunday i was shocked to see him back there and i was opposite of him i had a really good vantage point the way he was kind of measuring things and running to the ball I elbowed my brother and said, he's fumbling this hundred percent muffed. And, and lo and behold, it happened again. So let's play a game. Would you rather see Sky Moore return punts or blank player return punts? We're going to go through a list to determine how many chiefs would be better punt returning options than one Sky Moore. Uh, while we go through this list, we want you, the chat to do something for us. Leave comments saying, Anything you would rather do, let's try to keep this PG-13-ish. Anything you would rather do than watch Sky Moore return punts. Sterling, let's get into this list, all right? Sure, let's do it. First is McCole Hardman. Yes. Pretty easy, right? Second is Kadarius Toney. Of course. Again, pretty easy. Third is Justin Watson. Yeah, and, and by the way, Dave Tobe kind of did a little jab at Justin Watson returning punts. I believe in OTAs or training camp when he's like, yeah, he just catches it. He's not going to go and, and, and break off any plays, but he catches the ball. That's all he does. I will take that. <laughs> the probability of breaking off a play. It, it rarely happens, right? Just, just take what's there and get the best player on the planet, the ball. Let's go to number four, Marquez Valdez Scantling. So the thing to know here, I did some research on all these people. And he returned a few kickoffs in college in the pros. So he's not a complete return game virgin. What do you think about MVS? Sure. I'll, I'll throw that in there. I'll, I'll go with MVS, give him a chance. He does have, he does have the drops, but I, I'm with you. I think he would do a better job at this point. So let's move on to number five, Juju Smith-Schuster. He did have a 96-yard kickoff return TD as a rookie. That surprised me. So he does have a bit of a track record as well. What do you think? Uh, no, because he's wide receiver one. 
but yes, because I think he could catch the ball. <laughs> I agree. He could catch the ball too. Isaiah Pacheco. Oh yeah. I think he would be fun to watch back there. Honestly, I think Pacheco, the way he runs that Ryan style would be fun to watch. He'd look for contact. Yeah. He's fearless. He's the perfect guy for returns. I don't really love having RB one back there, but I agree. He would be better. Jarek McKinnon. So the thing to know here is he returned kicks for the uh, both the Vikings and the 49ers. So we're talking hypothetically, correct? We're yes, not talking. We're, we're talking we're, hypothetically because not, I, I, yeah, because I, I don't want to see Jerick McKinnon get hurt back there. But would Jerick McKinnon be good back there? Oh yeah, yeah, I think so too. Michael Burton, and this surprised me. He does have a few kick returns in both college and the pros. I was kind of shocked, but <laughs> it's it's apparently true. Let's roll with it, baby. He's pretty sure-handed, right? Sure. <laughs> We're kind of reaching a ton, ton of opportunities there. We're kind of reaching. I, I don't know if I can go with Michael Burton above above him. No, I'm not. I, I okay. was being facetious. Melvin Gordon, who actually returned kicks at Wisconsin, I think early in his career. No, because he eats too much buttered popcorn. <laughs> Yeah, trading one Butterfingers for another. What's the point? So Jody Fortson is number 10. And as we all remember this year, he got peanut punched and fumbled on a kick return. So I'm out on Jody. Sure. <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'll go Nick Allegretti. I would see Nick Allegretti uh, you, back you, there. You're getting, you're getting ahead of yourself. <laughs> he's, he's on the list. So we're Noah Fortson. Noah Gray? No. I'm a Noah Noah Gray. Travis Kelsey. This is again. Don't you is, ever dare put Travis this Kelsey. This is back. hypothetical. We're not really thinking about injuries here. We're thinking about what would they do back there? He would be very shifty. Big target, though. I'm gonna say yes. He's so good in the open field. How can you say no? Legarius Sneed. Oh, yeah. He doesn't have any experience. I look back. Tried to find high school, college, could not find anything on him returning kicks. Similar situation to, to Sky Moore. Um, I'd probably say yes because he caught that interception, right? 14 is Trent McDuffie. He sh- actually showed punt return prowess in his uh, pre-pro career, both in high school and college. And part of me wonders if we were going to put a rookie back there, why it's not Trent McDuffie who had more experience at the collegiate level doing this than Sky Moore. Perhaps because he's CB one. He is CB one, but well, or CB two with Legarius Sneed. However you want to line it up, Legarius Sneed is not really a, a cornerback. He's kind of a who knows a slash. Okay, so we're in on Trent McDuffie. Joshua Williams. The thing to remember here is he had a faster clocked max speed at the Senior Bowl than either Christian Watson or Rashad White. So that dude can can flat out move. Frankly, I don't give a give a hoot. Just fair catch or to let it go. Mahomes can get the ball to one and he's going 99 yards and scoring. <laughs> we're almost through this. Are you yes on Joshua Williams? Sure. I'm a yes too. Jalen Watson, he uh he returned punts at his JUCO Ventura College. That's an easy one for me. Oh yeah. And I, and quite frankly, I don't know why we haven't seen him back there. 
given that he's done it so recently and his value, he's a valuable player, but not, you know, not, not uh trip McDuffie or Sneed. What about 17 and 18 Juan Thornhill and Justin Reed? Let's throw Brian cook in there, the three safeties. So I'm a no on Brian cook because he's the return game uh, blocking ace, but Thornhill returned kicks in high school, apparently pretty well. And then Justin Reed, if you recall, he had a 101-yard reception uh, that he returned for a touchdown against our own Alex Smith. So he can take it to the house. I think I'm a yes on Thornhill and Reed and a no on Cook. What about you? I don't know enough. I will will say as long as they're not on special teams currently like Brian Cook is, uh, that might be an issue. (laughs) I'm going to butcher this name. Hopefully I won't. Demetrio Spence, he said, put me back there. I returned punts in high school. It's not an easy job. I, I, I never did it. I played football in both high school and college, but I had no, had no interest in being back there. Okay, so we're almost through the list. Willie Gay and Nick Bolton. What about putting some beef back there? Bolton's got hands, baby. We've seen him come up with a couple of interceptions. <laughs> he did... It would have been kind of a miraculous interception, but he did drop an interception in the playoffs against the Bengals. Fair. That was last year, baby. We're talking this he, year. I think he would make some good decisions back there, though. Smart. Smart Willie Gay being back there, uh, that, that sounds like a disaster to me. And then the final, the final two we're going to do here are the big boys. Colin Saunders, who... He actually was the backup punt returner in high school, and his high school coach said he had the best hands on the team by far, which is incredible for a guy of this size. And then Nick Allegretti, a, a big boy that we also know has big hands. I would love, I would love to see, just for, out of sheer curiosity, uh, what it would look like to see a 300-pounder return, return a punt. How fun tackling those guys, too. I mean, good luck. Especially Saunders. Oh, yeah. I think that's a freak of nature. The, the athleticism he has is unreal. That would not be fun to tackle. Nope. Nope. And we've seen that in his uh, in his high school highlight tape. It just looks like uh, a bigger Jerome Bettis playing high school kids. Which... Put me back there. And you know why? Because I will literally not touch the ball. You put me back there, I will run directly to the sideline. That right there, you won't cause a fumble. I'm not getting any yards, but I'm not costing you yards, baby. That's what I'm here for. At this point, all I want is for us to not cost Tra- – I mean, Travis Kelsey yet too, but Patrick Mahomes a possession. Like, he needs every position- possession we can get. I don't give a damn if the ball is on the 8 or the 22 – He's shown the ability to go 90 yards a billion times at this point. Just, just safely return the ball. And if, jo- if uh, Justin Watson is just going to fair catch it or, or make the safe play or get out of the way every single time, then I'm great with Justin Watson doing this for the rest of the year. Unlike some other teams that don't really have any offensive firepower, we do not need the spark from our special teams. We need the security. I will say, I don't think he was going to – do any returns the rest of the year until McCall Harmon got injured until Kadarius Tony got injured. I was pretty convinced that 
at that point, Sky Moore was third on the pecking order. Just by necessity, he got tasked to do it one last time. Didn't work. I expect we'll see Justin Watson or someone else besides Sky Moore rest of the year. I do feel bad to an extent for Sky Moore. He's not a punt returner. Didn't do it. That's not what he was brought in or drafted to be. Obviously, he showed something to Dave Tobe and the coaching staff in OTAs, training camp, and they tasked him with that job. It's not panned out, but guess what? He's been a fine wide receiver when called upon. That's what we should focus more on. I, I, I like making jokes about it too, but at some point, the dude's confidence has to be crushed. That dude, Sky Moore, when all you're talking about, just you listen to, to fans who are like, he's a bust. Those fans, calm down. Sky Moore is not a bust. Sky Moore is a wide receiver, and he was tasked to do a job. It is not his fault that Dave Tobe or Andy Reid keeps putting him back there. That's if you're going to get tasked to do it. It's like a reliever in baseball that always gets shelled. Eventually, you're like, stop throwing him out there. You know who he is. He can't do this. Sky Moore can't do this. That's okay. He's going to be a very solid wide receiver for the Kansas City Chiefs for a nice long time. And it was asinine coaching to put him out there in the first place, but it was actually good coaching on the next offensive possession to go right back to him and make sure his, his confidence isn't shot. I love that the chiefs do that after their young players uh, have costly turnovers to make sure they don't get in their head. And I really like the way he rebounded. He showed some mental toughness, getting right back out there and making some plays. Yeah, he really did. I mean, he, he's been very impressive. The energy he's brought as well. I do think it's very, it was much needed, I think. And that's why we saw some of the veteran older players leave Kansas City as well, why they weren't brought back. The Chiefs needed some guys who've not won anything. They needed some guys who... I have the would, tiger. The eye of the t- if you don't have, once you get a ring, it's easy to say, look what I've got. Maybe I don't tackle. Maybe I make a business decision. You don't have a ring yet. You're a rookie. You're making that tackle. You're putting your body on the line. You see it with the way Pacheco runs and pops right back up. You see it with Sky Moore every single first down, getting stoked. Not in a celebratory way where he's trash-talking the opponents, but in a way where he's like, I'm pumped up. Look what I'm doing. I want to win. You love seeing that energy. Pacheco's the same way. After that touchdown, he did a little – he basically taught a salsa class down there in the end zone. So I like to see the fire. I'm totally with you. That was missing a little bit last year, and we had that injected back into our veins. I think it's going to pay dividends down the stretch. Let's get into the Casey stock market, pump or dump. We will introduce a stock, and we'll decide if we're pumping or dumping ourselves. And you tell us in the comments if you want to uh, buy or sell. Then we'll feature your comments Let's get into it. The defense will need to start creating more turnovers for the Chiefs to make another successful Super Bowl run. Pump or dump? Dump. Again, I've been saying for a while now, I think it's a schematic difference why the Chiefs are not creating or forcing as many turnovers. I think it's because they don't want to give it the big play. That's just what I believe. Maybe that's not the case. I could be completely wrong. I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. But that's what it feels like. When I watch the games, it feels like, all right, don't gamble. Be in the right spot. If they catch a five-yard slant, don't let them get 65 yards. Keep them to five, six, seven. Don't gamble. And that's what we've seen. 
McDuffie is a very good cornerback, but I don't know how much of a ball hawk he's going to be. Joshua Williams, physical guy, but I don't know how much of a ball hawk he's going to be. Justin mm-hmm. Reed's a hard hitter. Juan Thornhill, I wouldn't say, is a ball hawking safety. They're fast guys. They're sure tacklers for the most part. Legereus Sneed's the biggest playmaker on defense in the secondary, right? Yeah. I, I just don't think that they're trying to force as many turnovers. I mean, obviously you're trying to force some, right? Yeah. But they care more about not giving up 75 yarders to Jamar Chase than they are about trying to gamble and force a turnover. I'm going to do a weak little half pump. And mostly it's because I think they're due for some turnover regression. I think more turnovers are on their way for this defense. We saw that this weekend. They came up with some interceptions. I think the way this defense is coming into its own, it's going to sort itself out. But you cannot lose the turnover battle in the playoffs. So the offense will have to take care of the ball. The defense will have to create some extra opportunities now and then. Let's get into the next one. Pumper dump, the Chiefs offense needs a healthy Kadarius Tony or McCole Hardman type to keep opposing defenses guessing. Pumper dump. I'm pumping. The offense looked a little off on Sunday without those two speedsters. Stretching the field, I know this sounds weird, but kind of stretching the field horizontally with the end arounds and the gadget plays and the screens, that adds an element to the Chiefs offense that not a lot of offenses have. Sure, they have little guys they can they can throw um, screens to, but the uh, the Ravens are out here throwing to uh, Patrick Ricard, a three hundred pound fullback, because they just have they don't have a weapon like either of those guys. I don't see a weapon like that on the Cincinnati Bengals, and we won't go through every team, but I think if we did, it would be pretty shocking to see how few teams have someone like McCall Hardman or have someone like uh, Kadarius Tony. So I'm pumping. I, I don't think it's necessary. I think it helps, but I'm not super convinced either way or the other. I'd probably go with a slight dump here. Just, I think they can get it done with, let's say, Jarek McKinnon. I think if they truly wanted to do something in that situation, you could always use Jarek McKinnon. Um, Travis Kelsey, if you notice the motion that he runs before each snap, it's a little bit of the same thing. While he's not necessarily getting the handoff to keep him honest, they still get those pre-snap reads from Travis Kelsey or putting MVS into motion or Juju even to an extent. That means more just putting someone into motion to see whether it's zone man who follows who doesn't than it does having one of those two guys in the field. I think they can get by with who they currently have, although I do think you're, you're right to an extent. It adds another element to the offense that does make them more dangerous. Next pump or dump, Colin Saunders will score an offensive touchdown this season. <laughs> dump. I think that was the chance. I think, uh, I think, I think he had that one play and they were going to do it because the Rams, right? If they blow out a team and they're up a lot, then I think we might see it. They did it against the Rams because they knew they were going to win. It was a fun thing to keep the guys loose. You know, Colin Saunders is probably in Andy's you know, ear all, all week going, come on, we're playing the Rams. Come on now. This is the chance to let me have one here. I don't think we would see it against the Cincinnati Bengals. I don't think we'd see it against the Seattle Seahawks. You might see it in a divisional game. So now the more I think about it, the Chiefs in week 18, game 17, I wouldn't be shocked. I talked myself into it. 
The Chiefs have a pretty easy rest of the schedule. They're going to have some games where they're leading by a lot. You know what? I am going to pump this now. I talked myself into it. Colin Sunders will catch one. There we go. I'm pumping two. I want to see a little Don Terry Poe action from him. And if you recall in the playoffs last year in the first round against the Steelers, they got up big and they did do some razzle dazzle. They, I especially think if it is a team that has embarrassed them in the past or they have a rivalry with, like if they got up on the Bengals this weekend, make no mistake about it. If they were up big, they want to embarrass these guys. So I could see this happening against a, a Broncos team or any kind of team that the Chiefs have a little bit of beef with. Let's get into the last one. A crucial Marquez Valdez-Scantling drop will come back to haunt us in the playoffs. Pump or dump? I'm dumping, but with reservations. Because I know this could happen. I think the Chiefs are good enough to overcome it. And I'm hoping he squeezes the football and makes more plays than than airs. But we saw against the Rams, this guy does have the propensity to, to, you know, drop the ball, not hang on to it. I'm going to dump. Um, he's not the most sure-handed wide receiver, but he's also made some catches this year that you're like, you catch that one? That's the one you catch? <laughs> I, I don't – I one, I guess, because I, I don't want to root for a guy to drop a pass ever let alone in the playoff game for the Kansas City Chiefs that might be why it feels like in big time moments though he'll hang on it feels like on those catches where it's a big time situation or a you're he's getting hit he comes down with the football and also I don't think a single drop is going to be the difference maker from MVS or in the Chiefs winning or losing a game in the playoffs I, I just don't all right let's Go through analytics addict uh, real quick. Props to the offensive line. So the Casey offensive line surrendered zero sacks or TFLs on Sunday. Part of this was due to Mahomes being, let's call him a pocket presence virtuoso. But I think the line was still dominant. And that's especially impressive when you consider that Nick Allegretti stepped in for Iron Man. Joe Tooney, whose streak ended at 107 consecutive games starting. And, and the key assignment was stopping Aaron Donald, one of the best defensive linemen of all time, a player that is up there with Deion Sanders and, and Lawrence Taylor as the greatest to ever do it. But they did an admirable job. Donald's true pass set, pass rush win rate, that's a mouthful, percentage was 16.7. That's down from 23% for the rest of the year. So they really did a great job. Allegretti struggled at times, but the other four I just thought were, were rock solid. And I want to single out Orlando Brown. He had a 90.7 pass blocking grade. He even did a good job blocking against Donald when they kicked him out. And if you go, I know PFF isn't everything. We say this, but I, I do think in the trenches, they do a pretty good job of evaluating performance there. And if you go look at, Orlando Brown's season, game by game, it is uncanny. He has almost posted a better game, a better score, better grade in every consecutive game as the season has gone on. And I wanted to ask your opinion about that. 
what's going on with him. Personally, I think it might be a mix of health, focus, and just being too caught up in the, in the contract hoopla and not getting with his teammates early enough. But that's just speculation. I would also say confidence, too. I mean, early on in the season, he was going up against some of the best pass rushers in the NFL. Sure, this week he was as well. And Aaron Donald, Leonard Floyd's obviously very solid as well. But he wasn't going up against Aaron Donald exclusively one-on-one very often, right? So I do think some of it could be matchup-based. But getting some confidence underneath you, showing that, yes, he can do this. The offensive line as a whole has grown a lot. By the way, Trey Smith looks so much better. I think he's healthy, and that's probably the main difference. But the offensive line looks better. Creed Creed Humphrey, I think, started off a little slow this year too. Uh, Andrew Wiley had a nice game. I, I would also he throw out. I would also throw. I think Nick Allegretti did a fine job filling in for um, filling in for Joe Tooney. I know if PFF didn't love him, they probably know better than me. But I would say Nick Allegretti. As a backup guard going up against the best interior defense alignment in the NFL, although this season, I would say it's Chris Jones. Number 95, he, baby. He did a great job. I think it also comes down to some schematic differences the Chiefs are using. We're seeing less RPOs, which has helped the offensive line. We're seeing more emphasis on the run game, right? I think that actually helps the offensive line get into a rhythm. And then three, we're actually seeing more two and three tight end sets and 13 personnel. We're seeing Jody Fords and Noah Gray. We're seeing them chip some here and there as well. That helps the tackles. So it was a case of, sure, these tackles are struggling early on this year. How can we help them? They found a way to help them. Now they're helping themselves. This offensive line is starting to look like what we expected it to look like at the beginning of this season. Was that an RPO that Trey Smith got called? Uh, it wasn't. The penalty. I, it, it wasn't an RPO? I, I talked to... Uh, I think it was Daniel Harms, who's a film analyst for RGR Football. I think he does great work. He's actually been on the show with me before. He It wasn't an RPO, because I said the same thing, too. And he, he actually corrected me. He goes, that actually wasn't an RPO. I think it was a screen pass, potentially. It may gotcha. have been a screen pass, yeah. Because he was way downfield. Correct. They usually yes. let you get away with two yards, but four or five, uh, the, refs, the refs aren't going to be down with that. Yeah. We are running along, so lucky, lucky Sterling, we are going to skip spot the fake this week. I you won, are, baby. That's, you a try. That's a push. It's a bye week. <laughs> Can't lose off, on a bye, baby. <laughs> off the hook. We've been talking about coming up with a, a new segment there anyways. And uh, with the holidays, we just didn't have time. So let's move on to the parting shot. As a Chiefs fan, this week's game against the Bengals is my number one revenge game of all time. Last season, Cincinnati cost us a third consecutive Super Bowl trip. This Kill Bill Volume 2 monologue sums it up and will get you pumped for Sunday's game. I went on what the movie advertisements refer to as a roaring rampage of revenge. I roared and I rampaged and I got bloody satisfaction. I've killed a hell of a lot of people to get to this point. According to 538, the Bengals have a 74% chance to make the playoffs. With a loss to the Chiefs, that number drops to 63%. Let's help make the Bengals one-hit wonders. It's time for some 
as the Germans say, and I think we have some in our audience, so tell me how I'm doing this. Schadenfreude at the expense of one Eli Apple. Tyreek Hill might be gone, but Eli Apple, dude, we have not forgotten about you. Sterling, don't you want to see that dude get some, uh, get a comeuppance? What I want to have happen is after the game saying, dry beer bits up because Eli Apple is getting burnt and I want to order three beers to chug in celebration. Yeah, I know a little bit of German. I don't know about Schadenfreude. I don't know that much about how to pronounce that, but I do speak a little German. So the, I just wanted to throw that in there. The they two, do this. The this two is the, the three. three. That, that's from Inglorious Bastards, right? Like, that's how you know it's three. So, yeah, because they did this. Americans typically do this with three. Germans do this. And it got I do this because I'm, I'm getting buckets. Yeah, I'm hitting threes, baby. Come All on. right. We're getting the silly season here, so thanks for hanging with us. We are really excited about this weekend. Hopefully, we will be coming back to you next Wednesday after the Chiefs exact some revenge. I'm Adam Best. That's Sterling Holmes. Go Chiefs! Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Remember to use code CHAMPION and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet, place your money line, prop, or parlay bets with the king of sportsbooks today. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Promotion, promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C. If you're a woman over 40 dealing with hot flashes, insomnia, brain fog, moodiness, or weight gain, you don't have to accept it as just another part of aging. The experts at Midi Health know all these symptoms can be connected to the hormonal changes of menopause. And Midi can help with safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com.